today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't believe his lies. When he says to you, you can't do that. In fact, you know what? Agree with him. Say, you know what? (laughs) You devil. Because that's what he is. Um, You're right about that. I can't do this. But God can. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. The strength you have to live out your faith without faltering should all come from God. Pastor J.D. is going to encourage you today to always look to the Lord for guidance and the enablement to do His will. He'll give you strength for what you need to do for Him, even when you don't think you ever could. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He calls me, he commands me. Certainly in scripture, we have many places where we're exhorted to do something. Any exhortation, any command, any call from the Lord comes packaged with the power and the strength and the enabling to do it. God will always enable you to do that which he has commanded you to do. I know this is in proper English. I guess it's a double negative, I'm told. But he can't not. I'll give you a moment. I know that's deeply profound. He is incapable of doing anything but that. He's going to enable you. He's going to empower you. To do that which he has called you to do. I love Philippians 4.13. I know it's a life verse for many. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's flip that around if you don't mind. And this is good to do sometimes when you're reading and studying scripture. Let's flip that to the other side of the table. If I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, wouldn't it stand the reason that I can do no thing if I don't have Christ who strengthens me? Ephesians 3 verse 16. He's praying for the church there in Ephesus. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... I'm going to add inexhaustible riches. (laughs) He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Check it out. We're commanded to be ye holy as he is holy. How am I going to do that? Oh, I got good news for you. You're not. Well, then how am I going to be holy? The Holy Spirit. Holy life, Holy Spirit. You cannot live a holy life absent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you, empowers you to live a holy life. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. The best 
I mean the best illustration I ever heard was that of a canoe, which we can relate to here in Hawaii. You get it on the beach. You want to get it in the water. So there you are. You're pushing, striving, using all your strength, all your might, all your power, and that thing ain't budging. So you call over some of the brothers. Hey, they try to push. No, no go, bro. (laughs) Then all of a sudden... Here comes a wave. Here comes the water. And all of a sudden now, this canoe that we couldn't budge, I I use my pinky. It's in the water. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, different than in us, and empowers us, our lives will become like torrents of living water. You see those floodwaters, how powerful they are? I mean, my goodness, here's a house, like a little toy being taken downstream because of the power of the water. Again, not something we're familiar with here in Hawaii, but where I come from (laughs) on the mainland, You know that our electricity, our power comes from water? They call them dams. They harness the power of the water to create electricity. It is so powerful. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this and we'll move on to the second one, which I want to spend the remainder of our time on. But don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't believe his lies. When he says to you, you can't do that. In fact, you know what? Agree with him. Say, you know what? (laughs) You devil. Because that's what he is. Um, You're right about that. I can't do this. But God can. You know the three-step program? I mean, no disrespect to any step program, but there's really a three-step program. Step one, acknowledge, realize, know you can't. Step two, know he can. Step three, let him. Let him. In my own walk with the Lord over the years, because I'm... Well, I know they have clinical terms for my condition, but you know, I'm, especially when I was younger, I had more energy. And I'm just driven, you know, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna roll up my arm sleeves, pull myself up by the bootstraps, whatever that means. And I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna do this. Watch me now. And then I, I just picture the Lord going, okay, I'll watch. Let me know. I'll, I'll be here when you're done. When you come to the end of yourself, you throw up your hands and you go, God, what? I have made a complete mess. I knew you would. I messed this up so bad. Lord, I can't do this. To which I could just hear the angels given charge concerning me saying, it's about time. 
what is up with you? So it's like, God, I can't do this. It's like I can just almost imagine God saying, well, I can. Will you let me do it? Can I do this now? I mean, it's going to take me a little bit longer. You know how cute your kids are and how adorable it is when they want to help you when they're young. Oh, Baba, Baba, can I help? Can I help? You're thinking, okay, so cute. I'm not going to say no. You know, maybe there's a teachable moment here. I know there are only three, but hey, whatever. You know, so they help you out. You know that it's going to take you three hours to do that, which you could have gotten done in about 30 minutes because they just... You know, made a bigger... I think we do that with the Lord. We want to help out. Believe me when I say, God does not need our help. Ask Abraham and Sarah about that. Let's help God out. You know, because apparently it's... This is uh, kind of a tall order. I'm... I'm like 90 years old. I don't know if you haven't noticed, honey, but, and then here's Abraham. He's 100 years old, and that ship sailed a long time ago. Sorry for the southern accent. So what do they do? Well, they try to help God out in the energy of their own strength, and they birth an Ishmael, a type of the flesh, that would war against Isaac, a type of the spirit, for the rest of human history. I hate to say this, but I have a lot of Ishmaels out there that I birthed in the energy of my own strength, all because I would not wait and let the Lord do it. The second one is, again, the one I want us to spend the remainder of our time on together today. It's in verses 13 through 16. And... It's that God takes bad and makes good. Let me explain this one. Here, Paul, (laughs) love this about Paul, very openly, very honestly, says that he's the worst of the worst. And basically, he's saying that if God can save me, he can save anybody. If God can use me, God can use anybody. I mean, think about it. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter how bad you are or were, it only matters how good God is. I don't know how, I certainly don't know when, I just by faith know that God can take anything, as bad as it might seem, and work it together for the good. I know that's Romans 8.28. We love that verse, don't we? That promise. It's also Genesis 50.20. When Joseph says to his brothers, what you did to me, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good, as only God can, to bring it about the salvation of many this day. The scriptures are replete with men and women who despite their sinfulness, God in his goodness brought about usefulness. Despite who they were, despite what they did. Would you join me in Matthew chapter 1? I want to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, I have to warn you, it's a genealogy. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's the, you know, begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so who begat. You know, you know the, the part of Scripture where you just kind of skip over? Because it's a bunch of names. And, I mean, if you were to try, you can't pronounce them. I'm going to do my best. I mean, you'll forgive me in advance if I pronounce Hebrew names with an Arabic, uh, you know, accent uh, or uh, translation or pronunciation. But this is the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. And there's a couple of things I want us to look at here. A couple of details that at first read you might miss, and then upon closer examination you go, oh, I see why God deemed it necessary by the Holy Spirit to include that detail that seems so out of place. This is the genealogy, verse 1, of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. Interesting. Perez, these were twins, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nahshon, Nahshon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Abed, whose mother was Ruth, Abed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. What? What? What's, why, why is that there? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Hang on to that one too. I want to come back to that one as well. Very interesting. Why do we need to know that? Oh. Do you know who this Tamar is? Do you know what? We all know who Judah was. But do you know what Judah did? Genesis 38. Seemingly out of place. In 2007, 2008, it took us a couple of years to go through the book of Genesis chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but it was in 2008, we were in chapter 38 of Genesis. Fascinating study. But (laughs) there it is, chapter 38, in between 37 and 39. Very profound in and of itself, right? But what makes it so interesting is that it's all about the life of Joseph, and then out of nowhere, it's like parenthetically, stop, Joseph, pause, push pause. We're going to talk about Judah. What happened with Judah? Oh, chapter 38 tells you. So here's what happens. His first mistake was he marries a Canaanite wife. First mistake. He has three sons. His uh, first son marries this Tamar that's here in Matthew 1. And we're told in Genesis 38 that he was so wicked that God killed him. What? God killed him? Yeah. Why? Because he was so wicked. Wow. 
What's up with that? Well, some suggest that it was actually God's grace because he was lessening his eternal judgment by cutting his life off early and also protecting others for whom he could pose a danger and threat of harm. So God kills him. We're not told. We don't want to know. I don't want to know what he did that was so wicked that God would kill him. So now she's a widow. So as was the custom in that day, you would take now the brother, he would have to marry the widow of his older brother and give her a son that would actually be his older brother's son to carry on the family name and also get the family inheritance. So the second son marries Tamar, and he doesn't want to give her a son. I won't get into the details. And so God kills him too. We're not doing so good. Now there's a third son. And here's Judah saying, you know what, Tamar, listen, I I love you. You're my daughter-in-law. But you married my first son, he's dead. You married my second son, he's dead. I don't want you to marry my third son. (laughs) If you know what I mean. He doesn't say that, but he doesn't have to. He basically says, hey, why don't you go back to your parents' house and wait till he's old enough, and then I'll let you marry him. He has no intention of letting her marry him. And she knows it too, by the way. So a few months go by, and Judah's wife dies. So now he's a widower. And the time has come, as it does every year, where they go to shear their sheep. And it's kind of a big thing, and... I hate to compare it to this, but sadly it's uh, very much like this. Nothing new under the sun. You know, during the Super Bowl and Olympics, they bring in uh, prostitutes and trafficked women uh, for the men for these events. Well, that's what they did. They brought in these prostitutes for the sheep shearers. So someone goes to Tamar and says, Hey, do you know that your uh, father-in-law, Judah, by the way, This is the same Judah that sold Joseph, whose story has been interrupted, into slavery. That Judah. He was the one responsible. I want to come back to that. There's a significance in that. So they go to Tamar and say, hey, Tamar, your father-in-law Judah is going to be at the sheep shearer event. So she takes off her widow's garments, puts on the garments of a prostitute, and disguises herself, and goes. And here comes Judah. And he sees her. Doesn't recognize her. And he says, I would like to go in and lay with you. I'm trying to be as King James as I can here, so, (laughs) you know, just... (laughs) So she's like, well, um, what are you going to pay me? She says, well, I'll give you a goat. I don't, have a, I don't happen to have a goat with me. She says, well, then I need a pledge just to make sure that you're going to make good on it. And so why don't you give me your staff and your signet ring in particular, which was your ID, by the way. That was your ID. And then when you send the goat, I'll give you this back, and it will, will be fair and square. He agrees, goes in, lays with her. And she conceives. She gets pregnant. Well, he goes off. He still doesn't know this is Tamar. 
You have to understand that in that day, in that culture, if you didn't have sons, you were sentenced to a life of utter and abject poverty. And if you didn't have a husband. So Judah goes back, sends his men, take this goat, give it to this prostitute. They take the goat, they can't find her. She's not there. They come back to Judah and say, Judah, sorry, can't find her. He says, well, at least I tried. That was his response. So then, a little bit of time goes by, and Judah is informed. This is bad news, Judah. I'm so sorry to have to tell you this, but your daughter-in-law, Tamar, she's pregnant by prostitution. What should we do? Judah goes, well, according to the law, we need to burn her, bring her. Oh, is he in? You know, there are times when you just want to be a fly on a camel in the Old Testament. (laughs) I would have just loved to see the expression on his face when Tamar shows up and she's queried, what did you do? And she says, I became pregnant by the man to whom this staff and signet ring belong. Busted! And he says, you are more righteous than I. So not only is she pregnant with a son, she's pregnant with twins. And the time has come for her to now give birth. And the midwife, as was the custom, when the first baby came out, they would tie a scarlet thread on the firstborn to identify the firstborn. And that's what Perez does. He starts to come out, she ties the scarlet thread, and he goes back in. Well, it's more comfortable in here, I don't know. And then his twin, Zerah, comes out, technically the secondborn, and then Perez comes out with the scarlet thread. Perez, by the way, is uh, in the Hebrew means breakthrough. <laughs> Perfect. So let me see if I got this straight. In the ancestry, the genealogy of the Savior of the world is a woman by the name of Tamar that disguised herself as a prostitute and seduced her father-in-law and got pregnant and had twin boys from which one would come the Savior of the world. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer his calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.